Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis, and today we're going to take a look at George Ezra as he comes into the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff. Anyway, so today's show is a um, medium to large show. It's eight trucks. They have their own stage, so it's a nice rolling stage which is being, being built at the far end of the arena as you come in, as opposed to where the stage area is because they're putting all the equipment up at the moment. At the back of the stage you have a giant screen, a nice LED translucent screen and it's the clear variety so it's going to be nice high res and have a nice crisp image, it's currently running its test. In front of that you've got a uh, proscenium arch that seems to be made out of styrofoam but it's probably wood panels and that's going up in front of the screen, although in between the proscenium arch and the screen is and that is an upstage lighting bar with with the uh, same lighting units that we've seen here before that they give off the um, 4k for now look but they're not 4k for now as the source for 750 uh, lamps inside this for now looking unit with uh, an LED in there as well so it's nice combined nice and combined and they're on pitching at yoke so they should be able to pan and tilt, which I don't know why they need to do that. But hey, it may be a special effect or it may just be a static effect just for the aesthetics of that unit. That we'll find out soon enough. The next lighting bar is possibly LX1 or it's either or it's gonna be front of house one. I'm not sure for the position of the stage just yet. But there is a load of Blinders at the front, which are the mole phasers, for, which are for sale, and they are completely like the arena, there's enough of them to do that. On the upstage face of the uh, truss, you have a hell of a load of moving lights on this truss. And it's also a uh, arced truss, so it's basically flat at the front and then angles it in at the edges, both sides. It appears that there are some ladder trusses, yes they're ladder trusses, which are uh, stage left and stage right going from upstage to downstage behind the line arrays and they've all got LED profile and wash units on there. I'm not sure, oh actually looking at the stage they're putting the lights on there as we speak before they roll it into position and cable it up and on the, upsta on the upstage section of stage they have a load of the LED uh, wash strobe units so they can be any colour, they can wash the stage, they can wash they can do an upward wash because they can tilt and next to each one of those units you have an LED profile moving light so there's going to be more to come lighting wise once the stage is in position so sound wise well sound wise we have again next to the stage we have a rolling stage perch for the monitor world and that looks like it's been rolled into the correct position and once the main stage rolls in they're going to actually strap that together so it's kept into one nice tidy piece. Then line array wise you have 10 deep and 2 wide. They've flown all their subs so far. There may be some subs in front of the stage but we'll find out soon enough. But in the flown subs you've got 2 wide and 6 deep. And then set 45 degrees back 
you have the smaller line arrays pointing 45 degrees outwards for surround sound effect and they are at six deep as well other than that there's not much else i can report on at the moment because they're still building everything and uh switching bits on as they as it as they go oh and they powered up the upper bar as well the upstage bar something that i missed because i couldn't see them built into the trusses that those special units are the 4k style units are hanging from you have more led flood strobe units as well and they're just starting to flush those out as we speak that's how i managed to notice them right we'll be back after this So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because, like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry, as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle. And the links for all of these books are in the description below. So George Ezra Barnett was born 7th of June 1993. He is an English singer, songwriter and guitarist. After releasing two EPs, Did You Hear The Rain in 2013 and KCO in 2014, Ezra rose to prominence with the release of his hit single Budapest, which reached number one in several countries. His debut studio album, Wanted On Voyage, was released in June 2014, reaching number one in the UK and on the top 10 in seven other countries. It was also the third best-selling album of 2014 in the UK. Edra's second album, Staying at Tamara's, was released in 2018 and reached number one in the UK and top 10 in eight other countries. The second single from the album, Paradise, reached number two in the UK, whilst the next single, Shotgun, reached number one, becoming Edra's first chart-topping single in the UK and Ireland, and also Australia. In February 2019, he won the Brit Award for Best British Male Solo Artist. Ezra released his third studio album, Gold Rush Kid, in 2022. Ezra cites Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie and James Balin as his main musical influences. The Financial Times described it as, a musical, as music that approximates rock but without any hint of danger or unpredictability. When the gramophone rings described him as having a voice beyond his years with a soulful tone that somehow would feel more at home coming from an Alabama bartender than a 21-year-old Bristolian. Zane Lowe, a former BBC Radio 1 DJ, called him one of the most compelling and powerful new vocalists around. A youthful obsession with Dylan prompted Ezra to seek out earlier American folk and blues artists. Out of curiosity, I went to find out how high I can jump off a cliff, he said. That's where I found Lead Belly, Woody Guthrie and Howlin' Wolf. 
Ezra had heard a lead belly compilation and had simply tried to sing like him. On the back of the record, it said his voice was so big you had to turn your record player down, Ezra said. I liked the idea of singing with a big voice, so I tried it and I could. On the 12th of February 2018, Ezra released his first episode of his podcast, George Ezra and Friends, a show that typically ranges from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, during which he talks to other artists. The series began with guest Ed Sheeran on the 12th of February 2018. Ezra's inspiration for the podcast was listening to other podcasts featuring comedians chatting with other comedians. Subsequent guests are Rag and Bone Man, Hannah Reed, Craig David, Ben Thatcher, Giles Martin, Declan McKenna, Jesse Ware, Justin Young, Sam Smith, Lily Allen, Sarah Out and John. Oh, that's a good guest. The second series began in November, on the 19th of November 2018 with guest Nail Horan. Subsequent guests so far are Ellie Golding, Laurie Vincent, Sagrid, Ollie Alexandra, Nile Rogers, Lef Volebeck, Sir Tom Jones, Lewis Capaldi and Shania Twain. In tw- January 2020, he released a podcast called Phone a Friend with his longtime friend Ollie MN in which they talk about mental health and their daily lives. Sometime after the release of his first album, Ezra met and later began dating Florrie Arnold. However, the ra- their relationship ended after three years. Ezra has stated he suffers from pure O, a form of obsessive compulsive disorder that consists of obsession and anxiety with purely mental, not physical compulsions. So his discography is Wanted on Voyage in 2014, Staying at Tamara's on 2018 and Gold Rush Kid in 2022. Alright, so that's uh, a nice little bit of info on George Ezra. So we're going to take a look at his supporting artist now, which is Beatenberg. We'll be back after this. The Royal Carnarvon Crescent by Paul Collis from Master X Media. When a neighbourhood dispute explodes into an all out war. So Chaz Bruford. His wife Ellie and their young daughter Aurora move into Carnarvon Crescent. They soon become aware of the troublesome next door neighbour who makes a point of living in her house for over 50 years. From the moment Chaz arrived and began to unload, his new neighbour takes an instant dislike into him and she goes out of her way to make Chaz and his family feel unwelcome. The aminosity quickly spirals out of control from both parties and the mutual respect gets lowered right into the gutter from the outset. Chaz comes to realise that this is not just any war, it is a neighbourhood war to end all wars. This book is available to buy on Amazon and this book is available on hardback, paperback and Kindle. This book is pure fiction and should not be used as a user manual. And we're back. So, Beatenberg is a South African-based band in Cape Town, composed of Matthew Field, Robin Brink and Ross Dorkin. The group signed with Universal Music Group label in 2012. They gained national attention in 2014 from their collaboration with the artist DJ Clock with Pluto, Remember You, which became the number one popular song in South African radio for 19 consecutive weeks. The second album, The Hanging Gardens of Battenberg, in 2014 generated hit singles including Beauty Like Titan Bow, Scorpion Fish and Pluto Remember You. 
their third album, 12 Views of Beatenberg, in 2018 after the release of singles Camera, Ode to the Bergwind and Aphrodite in collaboration with the singer Trezor. So the band members are Matthew Fjord on vocals and guitar, Robin Rink on drums, Robin Dorkin on bass and keys. The discography are Farm Photos in 2019, The Hanging Gardens of Beatenberg in 2014 and 12 Views of Beatenberg in 2018. Singles are Echoes from 2012, Chelsea Blakemore in 2013, Pluto Remember You in 2013, Raphael in 2014, Camera in 2018, Ode to the Bergwind in 2018, Aphrodite in 2018. So not much we could find out about them, uh, but they have had some uh, awards and nominations. So at the 21st Samuel Awards in 2015, they were nominated for Album of the Year. Best Pop Album, Sampra Award, Best Selling Mobile Music Download, Best Selling Ring Back Tone, Best Selling Full Track Download, Newcomer of the Year, and Best Collaboration. So, they won the Album of the Year, they won Best Pop Album, Giro or Group of the Year, Sampra Award, Best Selling Music, Mobile Music Download, Best Selling Ring Back Tone, Best Selling Full Track Download but they didn't get Newcomer of the Year or Best Collaboration. Right, so that's all we got on the uh, band Beatenberg. So we'll continue going over the build as, as an update can go on. We'll be back after this. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Master X Media presents Lord of the Memes, Bad Dog, Farmer Frank's Filthy Fucking Farm, and Bonnie Bouncing Baby Bastards. All three of these books are meme books and they come up with some pretty brutal and hilarious memes which are definitely not for children or the easily offended. These are ideal gifts for Secret Santa, Father's Day or even birthday presents for the fun-loving man. So why not take a chance and make his day when he gets to read a lot of the memes meme book. All three books are available on Kindle, hardback and paperback on Amazon. And we're back. So pretty much the whole staging area is ready to go. They've winched up the cross arch, but it's not fully square. I just believe they've winched up out of the way because it's going to sit flat on the uh, stage, which is about to move into position. The stage currently has the base section and two riser sections on it and these riser sections cover pretty much the whole length of the stage. So they're pretty much ready to go and they've just got the crew surrounding the stage ready to push it and we shall see what happens now. Have they got it lined up correctly? Do they need to shunt it across, which is a bit horrible and hard to do, but if it if it is that way, then it is that way to do it. They've got a few bits and pieces ready to go up on the stage, such as a few more treads and whatnot, so I don't have to carry it back and forwards and whatnot. But at the moment, it looks like they are pretty much ready to go. They've pretty much cabled up the whole of the stage, but it, but obviously the cables are not plumbed into the main rig because you know, they've got to move the stage so 
what they've done is all the uh, looms for the stage have just been are just waiting to be connected into the main looms which will take it to the demos and power destroyer and whatnot and that noise you may hear that thunderous noise is the stage being wheeled into position everyone having to push the stage at the same rate of speed or it'll start to turn and the last thing that you want to do is to turn the stage although they are turning it actually slightly because it's not in the correct position so they've stopped and now they're gonna do the then they're gonna have to physically turn the stage around a bit more once it's gone flush with the uh, monitor perch and yeah that's looking a lot straighter now and once it's in they're shunt it across in line with the uh, monitor perch or the monitor perch will be more than likely yet uh, moved into the correct position yeah the monitor perch is just not quite in position it's in line with it it just needs to be pushed up to it yeah it's looking pretty good actually stage left is coming up towards its actual mark so they're just finishing getting in position just moving it up stage a little bit and they're shunting stage left at the same time as well to square it all up so far I can count 26 28 maybe I might have double counted a couple of people but there's about close to 30 people pushing that stage just to get it in position and make it look straight which I think it pretty much does now right well stage looks set in position and they're moving the monitor perch close well onto the uh, body of the stage so once that's uh, all done and secured off the, that whole section is done ready to go and the lighting bar that I referred to as I'm not sure if it was light LX1 or front of house it is definitely front of house 1 because the stage is, is miles away from it it's about 3 meters away from that length uh, from the distance of that bar so pretty pretty safe to say that that is front of house 1 I can see a few more units put in on the sides such as those uh, 4k style units and we all know that they're not 4k's they're just pretending to be 4k's right I'll update you again soon we'll be back after this Anthology of Rage by Paul Collis from Masterix Media Anthology of Rage is split into four distinct sections each section was originally supposed to become a book in their own right, but unfortunately the author never got round to finishing each project. He did feel though that these pieces of work were too good just to be forgotten about on his hard drive and decided to put them all together in this anthology. Section 1 is a continuation of a tribute to Working at Sea, which with the last seven short stories written from the collection that didn't quite make volume 1 and 2, but were too good to be left unpublished. Section 2 Not quite short stories, but more rants that could be seen to be short stories about Christmas. Section 3 Monologues from the twisted mind of the author. And Section 4 are poems based on the life experiences of the author. So a nice little eclectic mix of short stories and poems. Very interesting read. And if you like anger, this is a book for you. 
This book is available on paperback, hardback and ebook format on Amazon. And we're back, so, well, it's next day, I have to say. Hey, that rhymed. Anyways, Beesenberg walked on to an OK applause from the audience, considering that there was about 5,000 people in the arena at the time. Sound-wise, it, um, really, it was a really clear sound uh, mix, considering that they are a three-piece band. It was, the sound was relatively well um, balanced. The lighting was kept as basic as possible and it was essentially three pools of uh, light from the uh, front, you know, white lights, so, so they were actually seen and a handful of uh, side lights from stage left and stage right to give them a nice wash and that was about it really and each song had a different colour wash the uh, three lights in the middle of the stage stayed constant and for some reason now it's a random flashing of some of the profiles from LX1 into the audience which made no sense because it didn't really look good at all. They only used like four lights and scanning the audience and I just struggled to understand why they did that because if they weren't allowed to use the whole rig why just why do that? They could have used those four lights on the stage to make it a little bit more interesting looking shall we say. And they had no AV really I mean they used the side screens which essentially gave them uh, their logo and that was it so technically they didn't so technically they didn't use much kit whatsoever now how are Beatenberg? well for me definitely not a band that I would listen to I mean yes it's uh, for background music it will work although it'll be like background music that you'd have in a scene on a, on a TV program like a soap opera or something a bit nondescript really because that was essentially what they were very nondescript and yeah with with the uh, audience as well they were giving a polite applause at the end of each song and that was about it I mean by the end of their set, the arena was full with uh, just shy of 7,000 people. And they should have had a much louder applause. But it was just a polite, a few claps here and there and whatnot. And that was about it. Now, are they a terrible band? No, they're not a terrible band. They can all play their instruments. It's just their songs weren't that captivating and they didn't have much of a stage presence they just stayed rooted to their spot no real talking to the audience and audiences uh, these days they want more they want to be interacted with they want the band to uh, be more animated and it did feel somewhat that they missed the mark a little bit and yeah I suppose no one's really heard of them because they're a band from South Africa and I've not heard them on the radio, but then I'm not saying that they haven't been on the radio, I'm just saying that I haven't heard them on the radio. And when I tried to find some information out on them earlier on when I was researching today's uh, podcast, I couldn't find much on them as you heard uh, in the uh, about bit, uh, in the about section earlier on in the program. And that's just their downfall, I suppose. But I don't know. 
maybe if they had a bit more exposure before this show, before the show, that the audience might have appreciate, appreciated them better. But they really didn't help themselves out by just by not being present on the stage as much as any as most bands normally are. Even when you do get a terrible uh, support band, a lot of them do actually put the effort in and try. But yeah, I just don't. I think it's. Their first big actual tour and maybe a bit of nerves, but I reckon if they did work on their stage presence and be a bit more animated and interact a bit better as the, uh, with the rest of the band and the audience, then uh, they definitely could have a future and also if they write a few more captivating songs. Brutal, but honest, I'm sorry to say. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, why not check out more content from Asterix Media by clicking the link in the description below. And I'll take you to our link tree, which will give you all our, give you access to all our podcast channels, to all our YouTube channels and to our books and social media. So until next time, guys, bye for now. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast, there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong, offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. So, George Ezra had a Tom Jones overture of Not Unusual. The screen came on with an image saying the adventures of the Gold Rush Kid. And as soon as uh, George Ezra was about to make his entrance, there was an um, animation of curtains closing. And George Ezra came up from a pit staircase that went underneath the stage. Which uh, looked quite good because wait how they had it underlit as well. So, it was like a god entrance from uh, from beneath and that's kind of what I would call it but no it's okay because it looks really good and it wasn't an egotistical entrance it was he actually uh, George Ezra actually came on very very humbly as well thanking people as he was coming on when they're cheering from the st- from start to finish the sound was absolutely impeccable such a high standard it wasn't too loud and with the amount of PA he had it could have been so much more louder but I've got a funny feeling that the uh, sound engineer who was a really sa- talented sound engineer I might add he didn't overdo the uh, volume but he uh, went for clarity and it was a very comfortable volume that uh, in there last night which was pleasant on the ears and plus I noticed uh, that there was quite a load of children in there which I suppose uh, it helped uh, not damage their hearing, uh, especially when they're close to the uh, PA system as well, the stage left and stage right line arrays. You had a load of kids on uh, parents' shoulders uh, (laughs) close to the pit as well. And the clarity, oh my god, the clarity was immense. It was definitely 22 karat gold standard. Lighting-wise, the angled cross arch had a multicoloured LED strip that went around the uh, middle of uh, the cross arch and that was either lit up ni- with a nice fading pulse 
or a solid line or even a sharp bright zip zap zip zap boing around uh, the uh, cross arch like um, like a laser beam and it looks really impressive actually and the way how they had the uh, cross arch in front of the screen it was great because they had um, they merged images with it so they either kept the screen tightly focused within the cross arch or they had the whole screen along the back wall depending on the song. One thing that that screen did do for the lighting which uh, wasn't always good the screen was that bright it outshone a lot of the uh, moving light profile units completely outshone them so you you could see the light but you couldn't see the lighting effects coming from it because the screen was that powerful and same with the uh, LED strobe floods which uh, completely it completely drowned out the lighting effects from set from some of their fixtures when it all when it was all on together now sometimes that LED screen wasn't even used so normally if you spend all that money on a LED screen that size with that much clarity and brightness you would tend to use it for the whole show but no there are some songs that it wasn't used for and then that's a trade-off that they had to make they wanted the big bright screen but they only had certain amount of units which they knew that they'd lose the intricacy within the lighting design so some songs they had the screen on so other songs well some songs they had the screen on with VT you know the camera live camera feeds and whatnot other songs they had the screen with uh, with visualizations and images or a mixture between the uh, cameras and visualizations or they had songs where there was no screen usage whatsoever so the lights so the lighting design would come out for those kind of songs and there were some pro impressive programming I have to say with some of these uh, LED units that they had and yeah you lose and as I said you lose the intricacy so you, if you're going to lose the intricacy and lose the uh, lighting design then you uh, got to switch the screen off so it was a trade-off between the two now how was the actual performance by George Ezra? Well he definitely had the stage presence and the charisma which only which only added to the atmosphere of the audience out there watching the show. They loved him. You know, as soon as he come on and being humble and thanking people for bringing him onto the stage he interacted well with the audience, a bit of patter and whatnot and the audience were in the palm of his hand and they were loving it. He had people of all ages from children all the way up to retirees and everything in between. He had such a great mixture of people and there was there was it was great because there was no trouble whatsoever, not that I noticed. And sometimes at concerts you get people who have a few too many drinks and get a bit lippy and whatnot and then get ejected for getting mouthy towards a member of staff or or even other customers or even other showgoers but nothing not a not a peep and it wasn't that kind of show really to be honest because you did have uh, as i said lots of children there and there was actually more children in uh george Ezra's show than there was at a kids show uh, at uh, at a kids show over christmas so <laughs> that says that does sound that does say volumes as well you know, George Ezra is much loved uh, within within the country. He is uh, definitely 
I wouldn't say he's fully there yet because he's only had what three four albums but he's got a longevity and he's and his fans are going to love him throughout and especially after seeing him in a live show his fans definitely will stay fans for the rest of their lives that I would guarantee his stage presence was oozing with the charisma and he did keep them captivated his vocal performance was one of the strongest I've heard in a long time but then again we have been on a summer hiatus because there wasn't much uh, entertainment going on whilst festival season was happening but yeah it was a very strong vocal performance great musical work performance and a very clear performance and if you have a chance to go and see George Ezra live and uh, there's still tickets going go and buy a ticket don't delay because if you're a fan you're gonna love this show if you've enjoyed today's uh, podcast please hit like subscribe and share and if you haven't already done so why not check out more content from Master X Media by clicking the link in the description below now take you to all our podcast channels all our YouTube channels to our books and to our social media so until next time guys bye for now <laughs>